Welcome to the MetPro Method Podcast. I'm your host, Crystal O'Keefe. Today, I am joined by MetPro founder, Angelo Poli, and we are going to be discussing keto diets and some myths that surround keto diets. Thank you so much for joining me today, Angelo. It's a pleasure to be here, Crystal. (laughs) (laughs) I am so excited to dig into keto. There's a lot of stuff out there. And by stuff, I mean lots of information. And it's very difficult to pick apart what is accurate and what is not. Yes, it indeed can be. (laughs) In fact, the hardest part is just figuring out where to start a conversation. There is, there's so much information on it. So am I right that like keto has actually been around forever and it's like it has like 18 different names and they just keep resurfacing it as a slightly different version of itself? Yes, (laughs) ma'am. You are correct. Okay. So now you're going to challenge the threshold and limits of my memory here. So what I'm about to say does, you know, is just all take that with a grain of salt. But I think it was in the early 19 teens, maybe 1920s, could be off by a decade. Some Arctic explorer, the Inuits, you know, eating waterfowl and, and, you know, like a a blubber diet from, you know, seals and things like that, discovered what essentially is the modern day ketogenic effect. And just throughout the years that has been researched more and of course, was popularized by Dr. Atkins. Of course. The Atkins invented. This has been around forever, right? (laughs) And then, you know, then it has resurfaced. My favorite iteration is the accidental low-carb diet. And so, and this is, don't take this as neither good nor bad. It just is. But there's a number of diets that kind of circle around the the kind of paleo-style diets, because there's a lot of branch-offs from that, which if constructed certain ways would also be a ketogenic diet. And if constructed other ways, you know, you have sweet potatoes, bananas in your diet, maybe not so much. But then now there's this big movement on pure keto, which is a little bit more on the science and the more extreme end of carbohydrate restriction. But this entire topic is essentially carb restriction and its impact on our metabolism, on weight loss, on fat loss. And now when we're talking about keto, we're simply talking about degree. Some approaches to it are more aggressive in their restriction of carbohydrates. Others are a little bit more modest. Ones that implement the most aggressive restriction result in the body producing ketones, therefore the name ketogenic. And so we know that that's a more aggressive restriction of carbohydrates. You know, we could get into the inclusion of how adding more fat, et cetera, et cetera, impacts the whole process. We could get into the blood lipid panels and and potentially health benefits and debate there. Suffice to say, it's a very broad topic, but for the purposes of our conversation, Let's just look at it from the standpoint of lifestyle and people using it as a tool for either fat loss or for weight loss. Okay, that sounds good. So we're going to kind of narrow that giant scope a little bit. So where do we start when we have that conversation? (laughs) Well, so about it was several years ago. So what I did was I pulled up in preparation for this conversation, a brief lifestyle article that we posted that we wrote for the uh, MetPro Academy. So this is online. Is ketogenic diet good for weight loss? And again, this was a while back and it was just a broad approach. But it's really short. What I thought I would do is read a few excerpts here okay. and then we could talk about it a little bit. Sure. So first of all, we get this question a lot. It's a really common question. 
Let's talk about what category ketogenic falls into. There are diets that focus on calorie restriction and diets that focus on carbohydrate restriction. Keto is a tool that's obviously going to be in the carbohydrate restriction category. And it's worth commentary on this. There's a million other approaches out there. There's a million other focuses out there. Here's the truth. The greatest impact is going to be calories and or your carbohydrates. Those are going to be your biggest levers. So it is true there are other levers, but we would classify those as accessories or optimizations. All of the research is very clear that the biggest levers is going to be calories and carbohydrates. So coming back to the discussion, is keto good for weight loss? The truth is your past dieting history and your personal circumstances influence how your body will respond to keto and other weight loss strategies. Some people respond better to carb control than others. Now, without on this pointing to particular research, just the last 20,000 people we've worked with, that's the truth. Everybody has experienced that. Yeah. There's a lot of individuality and how somebody may respond to carb restriction with some people responding better and some people responding not as good. <laughs> and even more interestingly, one of the most common things we'll hear is this is my second or third time on a ketogenic or low carb diet. And for some reason, my body is responding differently or not responding this way. So there is a large adaptation, adaptive response that comes with all diet styles, but it does appear that it's a little bit more aggressive with carbohydrate restriction. I've seen that in our household, my, cause Tom, yep. my husband, he has, he's done that and it's yep. had diminishing returns over time. <laughs> right. Right. And that's one of the most common things. So people say, well, does, does carbohydrate restriction work? And the answer is yes, it works, but it's still going to boil down to where do you have the most leverage? And that answer may evolve over time. So here's basically what we've noticed. Most people notice their, buzzer, their body doesn't respond the same second or third time. Keto works by nudging your body to burn more fats for fuel instead of its preferred source, carbs or sugar. That is an intense oversimplification, but for the purpose of keeping this short and sweet, I think we all understand the basic tenets that you're going to burn more lipids, fats in the absence of carbohydrates, sugar in your diet, etc. The higher fat content is satiating, that means filling, and can help some people with sugar cravings. That is true. Some people, some people more than others, we'll look at some research on that in a little bit. If you struggle with sugar cravings, you might find some value with, with a dieting method that focuses on carb control. The problem we find with this tool is that people don't understand that they're signing up for a lot of other things too once they start cutting out carbs. Uh, one thing in particular that they're signing up for is carb sensitivity. What does that mean exactly when you say carb sensitivity? That's a fairly absolute. So if you restrict carbohydrates, your body is going to adapt. You're going to create a hormonal circumstance, a biological circumstance, wherein your body is going to be seeking to grab any carbs that do come its way and store that, and for good reason. So a little bit of the sciencey stuff here. Part of why there's so much 
confusion around carbohydrate restriction versus just say calorie restriction is because one of the functions around glucose or glycogen replenishment is that each gram of glycogen stored in our muscles, our muscles and liver, but for our conversation here, our muscles is buffered with about three grams of water. Okay. So when we deplete that sugar at the muscle site, and that can be via exercise to a degree, but it's aggressively done so by not taking in enough sugars or carbohydrates. You not only lose the sugar at the site, but you lose the three grams of water buffered at the site, which is why somebody unaccustomed to carb restriction can restrict carbs for as little as a day or two. And all of a sudden they see multiple pounds gone on the scale. Oh, it's because they're losing all the water attached to the... Okay. They they did not, unfortunately, they did not lose three or four pounds of fat overnight. What they lost was water predominantly coming from fat-free mass in their muscle. Okay. So that creates this psychological feedback loop, which creates a carb phobia or sensitivity in our mind because it reinforces itself. Oh, you know, I've been cutting carbs, I eat less carbs, I'm watching what I eat, so I watch my carbohydrates. And then I had a weekend away with the guys or a weekend away with the girls, and we didn't worry about it. And I indulged in wine and dinner rolls, et cetera. And I woke up to an extra five pounds of me the next day. How is that possible? And so what's our first thought? My body is uniquely allergic to carbohydrates. And the truth is everyone's body is uniquely allergic to carbohydrates under those circumstances. Sure. So it comes back, the body grabs them, puts all that water back on it, and then boom, now you have all those extra pounds back. Right. Well, and and then you end up with an entire generation of women in their 40s who have been told, indoctrinated that they're carb sensitive, which is not technically inaccurate, but it creates this feedback loop where this yo-yoing of high and low carbs, it really can lead to that yo-yo scenario of dieting, not dieting, uh, back and forth, back and forth. Even I would say observationally more so than calorie restriction. So there's a few details that is important to understand. Now, keep in mind, carb restriction is a potent tool. It's one we do utilize at MetPro, but very judiciously. Mm -hmm. So this is not a carb restriction is bad speech. This is a not understanding what it's doing to your body is bad. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. Okay. (laughs) And And I'll give you one little one, one, one quick story here. Most people are unaware, sports nutritionists that take athletes, endurance athletes who are carb loading through a prep cycle in preparation for carb loading for an endurance event. Most people just think, oh, well, that means they just feed them more carbs. Most are surprised to learn that actually a technically derived approach is that the sports nutritionist will decrease by about 15, 20% the amount of carbs the athlete ingests several days prior to the race or to the event. Oh. Because it sensitizes the body 
to glycogen glucose uptake. <gasps> so, so then that, when they add it back, it like that's the body's grabbing onto it for that extra energy for performance. Yeah. Ah. And the body will hold it kind of hyperimpose that 10, 15 percent more glycogen inside the muscles as it's seen as a scarce resource for, you know, a day or so. And that's how it's being timed to get that hyper imposing of glycogen into the muscles for race day. So there's a little more science to it. And that, that kind of creates this feedback loop. So one thing that's important to know is when you cut carbs, you're signing up for some carb sensitivity for that duration. When your body goes too long without having that macronutrient sensitive to it, a night of indulgences, as we just talked about, can result in a surprising amount of weight gain if you don't understand how the carb restriction works. And the conclusion here in the article was we see this phenomenon leading people into cycles of yo-yo dieting and rebound weight gain. Therefore, keto or, or extreme carb restriction usually isn't the best choice for inconsistent dieters. Now think about the implications of that. So putting science aside, is it aggressive? Is it effective? Just from a behavioral standpoint, if you're an inconsistent dieter, you'll end up getting much of the carb sensitivity without all of the benefits that come with carbohydrate restriction. If you have already gone low carb, be sure to include a reintegration period to gradually introduce carbs back into your diet. No this one does that. No <laughs> one does that, right? right. Well, and, and you know, even you know, even the old Atkins approach and the you know, give the nod to you have to have periods of some reintegration, but most of them are stopping short of what most people would consider normal carb intake for, for their lifestyle. Sure. So I usually will ask my clients, talk to me about your history with dieting. Are you the type of person that once you start a nutrition plan, you very consistent, you know, for a week, two at a time, you know, maybe a day here or there, but on average weeks at a time of consistency, or are you the type of person that uh, can make a, a bunch of small changes, but you find you have a couple days of consistency followed by an off schedule day, followed by a couple days of consistency, followed by an off schedule day. If you are the latter, there is a very practical argument to be made that calorie control is probably going to be a more predictable and sustainable approach than carbohydrate manipulation in your case, because you're muting the process if you're unable to stay consistent with it for an extended period of time. That makes perfect That's sense. Something most people just don't think about when determining an approach. So keto usually isn't the best choice for inconsistent dieters. You'll get sensitivity without all the benefits. And then if you've already gone low carb and you're like, well, how do I back out of this? gradual reintroduction of carbohydrates. And by the way, you can really blunt any negative effects if there's an uptick in your energy expenditure at the same time. Exercise. Oh, okay. Carbs. Your body will acclimate. It will acclimate to those carbs. But in the time interval that it takes your body to reacclimate, even a small amount of additional exercise can really help close that delta so you don't have a negative response. Okay. So does this mean that low-carb dieting is a bad tool? And our comment goes on to say, no, 
Low carb dieting is not a bad tool. And at MetPro, we use carb restriction when we analyze your data and identify that it will produce the right kind of leverage. Your goals, lifestyle, all must be considered when selecting which diet approach is best for you this personal season of life. Okay. Right? Based on your personal circumstance. And we're never going to pick just one tool or one approach. Why limit ourselves when we can use multiple levers? Having insight into your current metabolic rate and pairing that information with, with your goals is going to let us identify where you personally will have the most leverage. And this backs into why uh, you'll, you'll hear us talking about it on this podcast often. Um, and if you've ever worked with any of our coaches, baseline testing, baseline testing, baseline testing. That helps your coach see and understand where you're already at so that they can make adjustments for you specifically, correct? Right. Well, it, it answers the question because everyone, does carb restriction work as a general question? And the yes. answer is yes. Will carb restriction work for me? Maybe. The answer is Right. The it depends. Is also after baseline testing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes, exactly. Crystal knows. We've done a couple of these. Yeah. <laughs> the answer is we're going to find out exactly whether it will after baseline testing because we're going to uh, determine how much leverage. And a lot of times it's as simple as this it works great for you, but you've already played the card. And so simply restricting another 15% of your carbohydrates is going to be marginal impact. Mm -hmm. We have to turn a different dial now to have a significant impact to bust through a plateau, which is why sometimes our clients will find our coaches taking them in temporarily an alternate route. So that way we can come back to some carb manipulation with good effect. So it's all about how it's applied. And that is the magic of MetPro because it is individualized for each person. So that is the idea because we, we want to get somebody results. And unfortunately, what is conclusive across all research is that there is huge variability between individuals. Sure. That can be explained. It's not some cosmic mystery that no one can know or understand. It can be explained once we looked at the history and circumstance of individuals. So now I'll share with you some of the actual research. Okay. So now this will be a little bit nerdier approach to the question. All right. Getting nerdy. Let's do it. Getting nerdy here. <laughs> Carbohydrate research effects on body composition. Might surprise some of our listeners, but here's, so here's the map. Here's the research. The benefits and drawbacks associated with carb restriction are well documented. They truly are. If you go to Google Scholar, do a research, you know, query, there are tons of research on this. So in the trial, randomized trial comparing a very low carbohydrate diet and calorie restricted low fat diet, body weight, cardiovascular risk factors and healthy women. This was in the Journal of Clinical Endocrinology and Metabolism, Oxford Academic. It was determined, it was demonstrated rather, that restricting carbohydrates resulted in greater weight loss than calorie restriction alone. Okay. There it is. Right. More coming though. Okay. More coming. So is that it? Is it as simple as that? Go home, folks. There you go. You I feel it. like no. <laughs> no, there's more to it than that. But that is a good, okay, there's a reference piece. 
And in another study entitled Changes in Food Cravings and Eating Behavior After a Dietary Carbohydrate Restriction Intervention, this was a trial, it was observed significant differences in weight loss. I'm sorry. It was observed that reductions in food cravings, food cravings is what we're talking about here. I'm, I apologize. Changes in food cravings and eating behavior after a dietary carbohydrate intervention. Reductions in food cravings occurred in as little as four weeks. Oh, carbohydrate restricted diet. And it was observed that women experienced a greater or expressed that they experienced a greater reduction of sweet cravings than men. And so obviously that this is an observational study, you know, so it's a less, a little bit less quantifiable, but I would say that's very much in harmony with our experience as coaches. Absolutely. Because the less the less sugar people have, which is carbs, then the less cravings that they have. It just kind of it's cyclical. Exactly. So so there's two feathers. So there's two feathers right out of the gate. But of course, it doesn't stop there. (laughs) This this one starts with however. Uh In the study, similar weight loss with lower low or high carbohydrate diet. Significant differences in weight loss between high at 45 percent carbohydrate intake and low at 15% carbohydrate groups was not observed. What? So that means that in at least this study, and each study is under different parameters and different, which is why you have to take them more holistically and how you look at studies that the eyeglass that you're looking at it through is critical, basically shows that there is a dose relationship. And so I would say this we have observed as well. For example, if you take um, an average individual that is eating a higher carb diet without significant calorie restriction, and you simply move them to a moderate low carb, there may be In some circumstances, some minor adjustments, but overall, you're not going to see a major shift. Okay. There's a massive asterisk on that, though. That changes if they're athletic and exercising, because now you have two, basically two scoops going into the same bucket, amplifying the results. You see, so there's a multitude of factors that have to be considered. Interestingly, in the study, calorie is entitled Calorie for Calorie Dietary Fat Restriction Results in More Body Fat Loss Than Carbohydrate Restriction in People with Obesity, a short inpatient. Now, that has a little bit extra weight with me, inpatient, right? Because it's not because just that observational. Like, that's like that's they've they've made sure that everybody's controlled and how they're responding, right? Right. Okay. They're actually staying at the clinic. It's short, inpatient, therefore in theory, more controlled study resulted in more body fat loss with dietary fat restriction, even though total weight loss was greater in the reduced carbohydrate group. Now, the total weight loss being greater is a little bit of a goes without saying scenario. Remember, we talked about the three grams of water. So you're going to experience some water loss. Sure. total weight loss is likely to be greater. But then, you know, all the studies also show that, okay, you follow that person a year later. And what we're finding is more or less parity between the two. Okay. On this, a little bit more, you know, close up view, they actually, in this one study, demonstrated that body fat loss. So when now they're taking a a consideration for fat-free mass, 
and fat mass and doing all the counterbalances statistically showed that there was, in this case, actually a little bit more body fat loss with the dietary fat restriction. How can that be so? A similar outcome was observed in the study high carb or low carb. Uh, That is the question. That was the name of the study. Greater total weight loss was observed in the carbohydrate restricted group given while the reduced fat group experienced less adaptation to carbohydrate and fat restriction, leading to greater fat loss than the reduced carbohydrate group. In other words, in this study, there was adaption. The bodies kind of got used to that low carb element. And in the long run, they found a little bit more fat loss in this simple, old-fashioned calorie restriction, more balance. Okay. Because Again, because the body adapted to having the less carbs, so it became less effective each time they tried it versus the less calorie restricted. Like ha- having precise. calories restricted, that's a different track that they're on. Am I saying that right? <laughs> yes, exactly. Okay. And so it's worth noting that you see there are studies that nod in both directions. So you can't have a conversation, point to a single study and just conclusively, okay, this is it. So what's the take-home message? The take-home message is when we look at the scope and breadth of information out there, both just from a lifestyle standpoint, from an observational and real-life standpoint, and from a clinical standpoint, we see that there is merit in both directions. So when you hear somebody that's talking about, no, this is the only, you can only lose weight restricting car and any weight loss is because you've restricted carbohydrates or carbohydrate restriction is meaningless. It is only total calories. Well, what we can clearly rule out is those viewpoints. Yeah, absolutely. We know it's neither of those two. So what Correct. what do we want to leave people with then? What do they what do they want to hang their hat on? What's well, <laughs> So what are we saying? <laughs> so you know what I stand for. So you know what I stand for. So now here is a, a little bit more a study that is a little more just mathematical. So we have to factor this in. The study comparison of carbohydrate containing and carbohydrate restricted hypocaloric diets, that means low calorie diets in the treatment of obesity, endurance and metabolic fuel homeostasis during strenuous exercise. Now, that was a mouthful. Yeah, <laughs> that was so the name of this, this research piece. That was the, uh, that was the name of it? That was oh my the name word. of it. Okay. <laughs> so it basically what they did was they compared low calories, but one version was low calorie with carb restriction and low calorie with balanced macronutrient ratios. Oh, okay. Okay. (laughs) Why didn't they just say that? (laughs) (laughs) Here's what was observed. A significant decrease in endurance during cycle exercise at approximately 75% VO2 max was observed in the carbohydrate-restricted group. That was not observed in the low-calorie group. Now, here's some additional math on this. It was noted pre-exercise muscle glycogen did not change significantly in the low-calorie group, but was decreased by approximately 50% in the carb-restricted group. Whoa. 
And there's your there's your energy. There's your power. That's why the power was decreased. The results indicate that adding significant carbohydrate restriction to a hypocaloric diet impairs performance. So that means that looking at the body of research, even when there's a nod to some advantages with also including carbohydrate restriction as part of the process, there's a dosing and threshold effect where if gone too far, we have to acknowledge that it is likely going to spill over faster than pure calorie restriction would to athletic performances, particularly here, endurance performance. Now, Granted, I know that there's going to be the, the one person who sends the email and states the research on the people who have shown ketogenic adaption and, uh, and through the process of getting their body used to more of a fat burning metabolism as actually enhanced athletic performance. And yes, that is absolutely the case. You can condition your metabolism over a longer period of time to burn key, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That applies to one half of 1% of the population and is usually for the elite elite trying a very unique approach to fueling for endurance athletics. 99.5% of the population out there is going to find in their level of competition and specificity that having carbohydrates is going to result in more energy for endurance athletics across the board. Yeah, I was like, I wouldn't, as a person who tries to do athletic things, I wouldn't even try to do that one because... Sure. Oh, that would sure. no. <laughs> no we, we are not discounting that research, okay. but aside from that level of specificity for the average person, it can be surmised that with carbohydrate restriction, not all degrees of carbohydrate, but enough carb restriction in this case studied combined with calorie restriction, it will lead to depleted muscle glycogen and it will lead to reduced energy output. Again, 75% VO2 max, that's where it was observed. You're absolutely going to have an impact on exercise. And what we can conclude beyond contestation is exercise is key in weight loss maintenance. Therefore, I'm all about the habits. I'm all about the lifestyle. So will I use carbohydrate restriction? Yep, I will. But not to the point where it's going to start to undermine our habit of exercise. That makes perfect sense. Use it, but it's not the only tool, which kind of goes back to what you said at the beginning. That's it. And everyone's threshold is a little different. So personal evaluation is key. So what do we take away from all this? Well, looking at the body of this research, and this is just the tip of the iceberg, right? sure. this is page one, that's it. But looking at the body of research, if I knew nothing about you, if you're one of our listeners, I knew nothing about you, but your name and that you want to lose body fat or, or want to lose weight, I'm going to start with moderate calorie control first. And I'm going to ease into carbohydrate restriction only as needed. And when I've determined that your metabolism is starting to adapt, it's showing adaptive responses where it's slowing down in response to extended dieting over time, then we're going to rev your metabolism starting with carbohydrate increase following with incremental calorie increase only as needed and as tolerated. And then start the whole cycle over again. 
That's wonderful. Ex- yeah. And we're going to exercise God. You have to have all the pieces, which is why lifestyle is key. Now, that generalized approach is going to be much more individualized once we baseline test. We look at your history with diet and exercise, and then we know where in the process we need to start you. That's perfect. And I think it's super helpful for people to hear, to understand some of the thought process that goes into this when they're when they're using MetPro and also why it's so important to be cognizant of these factors when you're trying to go it alone. Like if you're a person who's, I'm going to go on keto or I'm going to do this other thing because I'm going to do whatever diet because my friend's doing it, then it's, it's important to understand all of these factors. So when it's not working or when you see it stop working, you understand that's not in your head. That's not because you're doing something wrong. That's because there's more science to it. It's not black and white. And I think I think you explaining all that helps so much for people to understand that. And what you just said there, Crystal, is such a great point. Absolutely. Because so much of the result of either bro science versus actual research <laughs> or just how marketing and the media influence our perception of weight loss and dieting modalities has resulted in unnecessary frustration if we simply understood the biology and the science behind these different modalities. So hopefully this helps our listeners a little bit. It's I think fun to talk about. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. I loved getting nerdy with you. That was great. Thank you so much for your time today, Angelo. Listeners, that's all for this week. You can find all of the MetPro Method episodes anywhere you get podcasts, or you can go to metpro.co slash podcast. Please be sure to follow the show and rate and review. That lets other people know what they can expect. You can also learn more about MetPro at metpro.co. I'm your host, Chris. Keith, and I'll be back next week. Until then, remember, consistency is key.